Welcome to the Wanna Talk Missions podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Tverdick, Director of Cup of Cold Water Ministries. We help people go and stay where God has called them to serve. This is the podcast of their stories. Our intent is to tell the good news of what God's doing around the world through His people in order to make His name known. Learn more about how you can engage in global missions at ccwm.org. And now, here's our show. One Baby for the World, 24 Days of Advent from a Missions Perspective, read by author Sherry Tverdick. December 7th, Noticed. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above women. Your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for you. You're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary's Song of Praise Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their throne and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 56. Mary's song. Did you hear it? Her heart is riveted. She is shaken with hope. Listen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian who was executed by the Nazis, called Mary's song the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. Mary sings as a woman who knows of the sorrows of hunger, the corruption of government, and the disparity between the poor and the rich. She sings. She knows who she is, and she knows that God has bent down to take notice of her, notice of a nation, and notice of the world. You can hear it there in the song, the tiredness of Mary. She was young, but oh, so tired of the way the world was going without a savior. In the dusty, dried-up riverbed, I felt my stomach twist within me. It stunk. Everything smelled. The spring sun had thawed the frozen tundra, and with it the garbage and the pit toilets of the Gare district. 
It was complicated to get here to these slums near the riverbed. There were no real roads and the bottom of our jeep scraped against the berm as it climbed over the top to access the area. The family we were looking for was as messy as a mess can be, broken inside and out. There were two small children who needed help and it was our task of the day to meet them. If I had realized how difficult that would be, how long of a journey it would take, how desperately entangled my heart would become, I may not have come at all. Not knowing which gear belonged to them, we walked through the maze of homes calling out their names until finally one little boy, no more than three years old, waved out to us announcing he was the one we were looking for. The sight of him touched a nerve I didn't know I had until that very moment. It was the nerve of injustice. Until now, it had never been meddled with, but it was there, and I discovered it as I looked into the eyes of a filth-covered boy. I'd never seen a child so neglected, and then his six-year-old sister came around the corner to stare at me. She was a lost child, as lost as I had ever known. I soon discovered they had been locked outside their home for the day. They did not know where their mom was or when she would return for them. None of this seemed strange to them. It was only I who had to pull my jaw shut and accept the reality in front of me. The two were playing with small rocks turned into a farm by their well-functioning imaginations. The boy showed me his rock horses, rock cows, rock sheep, and the rock farmer. I pulled out some apples from my bag and the children came for them without an invitation. So did a drunk man standing nearby who attempted to take them from me before I could give them to the children. Appalled, I had the desire to throw the apple at the man's head. Angry, shaken, sickened, I thought, how is it possible that I've lived my whole entire life without a hint of suffering, while these children have lived not one day with a hint of wholeness? God, God, do you hear me? Do you see this? Do you notice what is happening on your planet? Immediately I began to sense the presence of the Lord. While I wanted to fix it, He was sending me to notice. I was overwhelmed with the thought that I was the one sent to notice. There was no one else here beside myself and my missionary partner. Of all the people in the world, it was us? So now what? The police were not a safe place at the time. A well-run Department of Children's Services did not yet exist. I thought of taking them home. I imagined myself inviting the children into the car, driving away, ending up in jail that night for kidnapping. The eyes of the people living in this hellish place were certainly glued on me. I suppose they were wondering what I was going to do. Listening to my childlike Mongolian language, I must have been sheer entertainment. And I too was wondering, what? What was I to do? Let them know you see them, I felt the Lord say. Let them know you'll be back to visit them. <laughs> That's it? I wondered. They finished their apples and we talked about their mom coming home later. I asked them what they liked to do. An irrelevant question for a child in survival mode. There was no answer. 
I told them I'd be back and that I'm thinking of them. They stood and waved at me as I drove up the steep berm. I cried until I threw up. (coughs) Noticing felt weak. It felt pointless. But it wasn't. Years went by. Years of noticing these two until I had finally found the way forward. There were many broken visits. Once after a brutal visit where it was obvious the children were in danger, I did try to take them with me, otherwise known as kidnapping. But after a bloody lip from the fearful five-year-old boy crying, just please let me stay here, I gave up. I went back to the plan. The original plan that God gave me to see them, to take note of their plight, to enter into their mess, and to let them know, I am not leaving. And then, one day, after all that waiting, the right doors opened, and God made a way to get them into a home where they were safe, loved, and nurtured. The last I heard of them, they were in school, thriving and excelling. I lost track of them over time. I wonder now if they remember the yellow-haired lady who came too often, who once tried to kidnap them, and who seemed to notice everything. God came here to us, not in a rush, not in a hero's cape. He took notice of our poor and sick state and came with a long-term plan. He came to us here in our mess as a baby who would grow, grow slow, and become one of us. He was noticing from the moment he called out, Adam, where are you? To the manger, all the way to the cross, noticing. And it worked. We are free. Engage with the story today. In the next 24 hours, commit to notice what God is noticing. Resist the urge to ignore. Write down three things the Lord leads you to notice. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Wanna Talk Missions. Make sure to check out all that God's doing with our missionaries at Cup of Cold Water Ministries by visiting ccwm.org. And that's our show.